How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're a week away from Christmas, but no matter what holiday you celebrate, I hope that this episode, that it finds you well during this holiday season. I'm Russell DeWitt. Joined with me today is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and the two of us, we're primed up. We're ready to go for another Chicago Bears preview episode as we'll be taking a deep dive into Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. And Nick, honestly, for us, the playoffs, they have already started. If the Bears want to make it into the dance, they really can't afford to lose another game. I know there are scenarios where they can get in, but really those are pretty far-fetched. Uh, they are officially in the driver's seat, so I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see if the energy that we saw last week not just maybe carries over, but perhaps it's something that the Bears can build upon this week against the Vikings. But Nick, how's it going, man? Pretty good, Will, and I just want to give a shout-out to you for that that awesome intro. I mean, that was something, obviously, we unveiled it today, but that was really, I, I, you couldn't see my face, but I was smiling the entire time just kind of watching it happen, so really good job there. Another reason to subscribe to our YouTube channel, if you haven't yet, hoping uh, to kind of continue to enhance the stream, and to everyone who's donated to the show, just letting you know you make this possible so we can start doing some of these other elements with our live stream. And I know we have our shout-out section like we do each and every week later on the show, but I may as well just start with an early thank you because I was super excited to kind of start uh, unveiling some of these things that we've been working on uh, behind the scenes. But, Nick, we have a game to talk about. Bears-Vikings, round two. Obviously, the first one did not go our way, um, but luckily, I think the Bears are a much different, maybe even a little bit more of a a dynamic team that they were uh, five weeks ago. And for the Vikings, uh, perhaps they're also a a little bit different. So as we kind of just jump in here for our opening drive, our initial segment, what's your initial perception of the Vikings now? Is there anything that's different? You know, I don't know if the, anything's really different because you really see that the Vikings are still going to rely on, on Dalvin Cook. Obviously, in the first meeting, that they had to do other things to to beat the Bears in that game, really relying on Adam Thielen. But this is still a team that's going to rely heavily on their rushing attack. And what I have seen just in the past couple games is the tight ends maybe be utilized a little bit more in the passing game. It can be obviously something that can hurt the, the Bears if they allow it to happen. But look, these teams are both have. Uh, the same record they're looking to keep their playoff hopes alive and this is like you said the playoffs start right now for the Chicago Bears and I think that's how both these teams are going to be treating it on Sunday 
Yeah, absolutely. For me, when I look at the Vikings, really the only thing that's, I would say, quote, different, and it's not even different, just injuries right now that they're dealing with. Uh, you talked about tight end utilization. Well, right now Kyle Rudolph hasn't practiced so far this week. Uh, you have another big injury to Eric Kendricks, who didn't play last week. He's been dealing with a calf, and C.J. Ham, their fullback, who does help lead the way for uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, utilize him a lot out there. He's also someone who's been uh, limited, if not practicing right now. So I think some key injuries to the Vikings could really benefit the Bears this week, but Luckily, I think more that most of the changes have happened for Chicago compared to Minnesota, and I believe those are for the better. And we're going to talk about those as we go on through the show. So let's go ahead, Nick, and jump into our segment about the Bears offense. And this is where we go three and out, talking about three different talking points for the Chicago Bears offense. And I want to go ahead and begin with David Montgomery and the Bears rushing attack. Uh, just remember, the Bears, they only had 41 yards on the ground last time that they faced the Vikings, but they didn't have their RB1. Monty was out with a concussion that game, so we had a combination of Patterson, Pierce, and Nall, and we also had the Lamar Miller sighting game, although he didn't have a carry. Good news is for the Bears, of course, David Montgomery, he's back, and he's been on an absolute tear over the last three games uh, where he has 409 yards, four touchdowns on 51 touches. In fact, if you look at what, what he's just been able to do on the ground, he's averaging... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 7.4 yards per carry over that time span which ranks first in the NFL of all running backs with at least 14 carries or more since week 12 so Nick for a Chicago team that felt like it could not buy a yard on the ground last time that they faced the Vikings I believe there's some room for optimism that things could be different this time around, especially considering Minnesota, they give up the 19th most yards on the ground per game and over 4.3 yards per carry. So what type of difference do you believe, Nick, that Montgomery's can provide this offense Sunday that the Bears didn't have last time around? Well, I think it's just a completely different offense, Will. I mean, you saw Bill Lazor in that first game that he was named the offensive coordinator. Obviously, like you mentioned, without David Montgomery, they tried to utilize Cordell Patterson as many ways as they could, but he's just not the running back that David Montgomery is. And we've seen, and you mentioned the stats, what he's been able to do in these past three games. So I think what you're seeing now in correlation with a new revamped offensive line, which is going to be different from that first meeting, I think the Bears are going to want to try to just continue to establish the run against a Vikings defense that one could be without one of their better linebackers in Kendricks and also has been giving up some some yards to the ground to opposing teams uh, just looking back to the Tampa Bay game last week to Ronald Jones. So I think this is a matchup, an entirely different one. It's an entirely different backfield with, with the Bears and the Vikings now this, this second matchup of the season. So... I think you're going to see a lot of David Montgomery just even more than what we've seen in terms of carries uh, in the games he's had success these past three weeks. But this one should be a game where Bill Lazor, Matt Nagy, even Mitch Trubisky, who's now contributing in what they're doing offensively these past couple weeks, just utilizing David Montgomery, whether it is as a receiver, but especially as a runner. He's been on an absolute tear with those outside runs. I expect the Bears to kind of utilize that throughout this game on Sunday. 
Now, I know we'll do who has the edge and everything later, but do you believe the Bears will eclipse their total on the ground from the last meeting? I would surely hope so. Yeah, the Bears didn't have any success. I think it was like, what, 149 total yards for the entire offense. I think you can mm-hmm. expect the 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 rushing attack almost maybe to even get to that mark I won't won't spoil anything but that's how well the Bears have actually been rushing the football as of late but with what they're doing in terms of their offensive identity and especially just having your starting running back and Mitch Trubisky as your starter I expect it to be really a 180 from what we saw in what that week 10 matchup on, on Monday Night Football. And a big reason for this newfound success on offense, especially with the run game that we're kind of talking about right now, is that retooled offensive line during the first meeting against the Vikings. The Bears did have uh, a reshuffled unit, but it's not the one that we're seeing today. Uh, Just in case you have some amnesia, maybe some self-inflicted amnesia, which I would totally understand if so, that game the Bears had Coward starting at right tackle. Bars at left guard, Whitehair at center, and Effetti at right guard. But since then, of course, the Bears have kind of found themselves with a starting five that's playing at a much, much higher level. Mustafer, he's looking the part at center. Whitehair now at guard. He's putting together career best games. Bars is holding down the fort at right guard. And Effetti's playing well at tackle, which is a position that he does have more experience with throughout his career. Last time around, the Bears really struggled containing the Vikings up front. Not a lot of push to run the ball, and they allowed a fair amount of pressure all game long. They allowed two sacks, 12 quarterback hits, and I don't know. We'll get to Mitch here in just a little bit. Nick, I'm curious about your confidence level in the offensive line heading into this week, and if you believe they'll do a better job at protecting the quarterback. And again, for an offense that could only muster about 150 yards the last time that they squared off against this defense, just like with David Montgomery, how much of an impact do you envision? this starting five having compared to the previous matchup because I honestly expect it to be clear and obvious that this is a much better unit up front and we're going to see some success due to that fact yeah and you have to have confidence in this group because of how they played as of late and it just I could look it honestly took some trial and error from this coaching staff to see what guys actually worked where and just giving some guys some opportunities to really you know, play some significant minutes at positions that the Bears needed just better production out of. So I do agree with you, Will. I think this unit is going to perform better against this defensive front. And even just looking to how the Vikings performed against the Bucks last week, the, it, early on, Tom Brady was under some distress just from that front seven. But as the game kind of went on, as the rushing attack started to establish itself for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady had time. He was able to hit some deep shots over the middle and look pretty comfortable. And given that this this front seven for the Vikings maybe just isn't what it was, especially just going back to when the Bears and Vikings first played and what that, that line was at that point in time. So I like how they're playing. I like how they're executing some of these run blocks now. And we've seen some really big runs out of David Montgomery in the past couple weeks, whether it's the 80-yarder against Houston or the 57-yarder against Green Bay. The unit is executing at a level that wasn't there in Week 10 when the Bears and Vikings first played. So I'm confident this unit can get some good things done on the ground come Sunday. Same here. Uh, The only issue that I have, and Minnesota did a good job with this in the prior meeting, uh, are are the blitzes. And they did a really good job of timing those, bringing them from different angles. And even though I have more faith in this offensive line, we talked about David Montgomery, and he's been really good as a runner. He's still struggling in his pass protection, uh, especially when they're bringing in extra rushers 
across the formation where he's lined up. So say they're in shotgun and he's to Trubisky's right hip. If there's a defender blitzing from their left side and Montgomery has to cross the face of Mitch to lay that block, he hasn't been getting there in time, finding his guy that he needs to block to ID him, and then also laying a solid block. There's been a couple sacks, a couple pressures due to that. And obviously Montgomery, he's not a perfect back by any means, but that is one area that if Minnesota does blitz, uh, does get me just a, a little bit concerned. That's not really as much on the offensive line as it is the back to pick up that pass protection. Um, but something else that I did want to point out here, at least while we're talking about it. And let's go ahead and talk about the biggest obvious change for this Bears offense, which is the fact that we're going to have Mitch under center. Nick Foles had a very poor game against Minnesota. It actually, it was the last time that we saw him uh, like now uh, this season. He only had 106 yards on 15 completions, had a pretty bad in, uh, interception, and a passer rating of only 51. Mitch, even though he's played some, admittedly, some poor defenses to this point, he's been playing well. The offense, at least last week, had a different feel to it, and Mitch was also able to get the ball out to his playmakers. And I think it's also worth noting that the last meeting against Minnesota was Bill Lazor's first as a play caller, and he's now more, I would call, seasoned. It appears he's getting more comfortable, and he's starting to tailor his offense to Mitchell Trubisky, and I believe Lazor's learned uh, a lot about himself and this unit over the last five weeks. So, Nick, I want to know, how does Mitch, opposed to Foles, potentially put the Bears in a better position to succeed this time by? And what are some of your thoughts on Bill Lazor's growth and how it may be, I would say, demonstrated on Sunday. Yes, yeah, so I think what um, is going to make the biggest change in this one, Will, and you talked about third downs, and we know the Bears you know, had an atrocious day against the Vikings in that first meeting, and a lot of things that the Vikings were doing, and they won't do it every single time, They'll crowd the line of scrimmage, right? And sometimes they're bringing more than four. Sometimes they're dropping guys back into coverage. Sometimes Harrison Smith's coming right up the middle. But Nick Foles was a statue back there. He's not the athlete that Mitch Trubisky is. And now what we're seeing from Bill Lazor is the Bears are starting to move the pocket, whether it's on play-action fakes or design rollouts. That's how you can take away maybe the effectiveness of the blitz and still be able to effectively run your offense and do what you want to do. And that's what we've been seeing the, the success of Mitchell Trubisky and how he's kind of impacted this game in, in these last two games where he's had you know good numbers against the Houston Texans and also Detroit Lions. So I think what Bill Lazor's doing is smart against how maybe the Vikings are playing on stopping this Bears offense. If they're going to keep blitzing on third down and you're moving the pocket, you're going to hopefully run away from that blitz, buy yourself some more time to maybe find a Cole Komet downfield who's been seeing some more targets as of late. Allen Robinson obviously being a reliable target, but I think that's the element that clearly wasn't there in this first meeting. When Nick Foles was getting blitzed, he couldn't avoid pressure. He was standing there just in the pocket waiting to get sacked or not having an option to throw to. I think now that Bill Lazor's had some time, He's going to think about that first week, first time he was calling plays. See, now that he has an athlete, really, at the quarterback position, and now you just got to utilize him. There were times even against the Texans last week where Mitchell Trubisky doesn't see anything downfield. He's running, and that's something that you didn't really see with Nick Foles. So that's going to be the biggest thing, rolling out the pocket, finding those guys on those you know single high to low reads and just making the smart decision there. And I think that's going to save the Bears from you know avoiding – what what happened in that first matchup, which obviously wasn't very good for the Bears and, and their offense. For sure, Nick. I I mean, obviously, when you have a guy who's a more agile, mobile, 
it should help combat any sort of pressure that the Vikings want to play. And I do believe if you can utilize some of that motion pre-snap and post. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Snap of the crossing the formations that we saw a lot against the Texans and things of that nature, it's going to help. It's going to move the defense around, put them in conflicting situations where, unfortunately, last time by, we couldn't run the ball. And whenever we were attempting to pass, it was clear, it was obvious, and it was just straight setback, you know, dropbacks. And you weren't moving the launching point. Nick Foles was just dropping straight back, and it's easy uh, for any defense to start teeing off on him. And, there, again, I think there was so much broken with the offense in the last meeting, it's easy to start looking at ways it could be better. Um, but I do believe, like you said, the mobility of Mitch is going to be one that makes it uh, Bill Lazor's <laughs> job easier. I think it allows him to be more creative we're starting to see that, and as long as that creativity carries over and we don't revert into uh, predictable passing plays and just launching Mitch and keeping him in the pocket, I think we'll be uh, in pretty good shape. At least we should see some, at least a lot more, at least a lot more yards. Yeah, for sure, from this Bears offense uh, when it's all said and done. Anything else about this Bears offense? I know we're going to talk about them throughout the show, but is there anything else on your notes that you wanted to make sure to hit on? I think the big thing that hopefully can continue throughout these rest of at least three regular season games, and we saw on, on, on obviously Sunday against the Houston Texans, is the yards after catch. The Bears, uh, and credit to, I think, Adam Johns for, for finding the stat, but the Bears had 190 yards total from their, their playmakers and yards after catch, which is the most uh, of any game, any play, uh, collectively by the players in the Matt Nagy era. So... We want to see Mitch be able to give the ball to his playmakers, whether it's in stride or just give them the ball in general, and see these guys make these individual efforts to get those yards after the catch. And I think if they can continue to have that, even on Sunday against the Vikings, you're going to get yourself out of maybe some situations where you do have a false start and you're behind the chains. If you get guys that are winning those one-on-one matchups, getting those yards after catch, you put yourself at least in a position to maybe overcome some of the setbacks that you're going to have in a drive we I will the last podcast on our post game we talked about it was the the drive right before halftime the Bears did such a good job on that one there was a false start in the sack but in that game against the Texans they saw guys win their individual matchups and get yards after the catch they're still able to convert and ultimately end with a Allen Robinson touchdown before the half maybe if we can continue to see some of those yards after catch in this game the Bears will be in a good position on offense to maybe score some points. Can't disagree with you there. Again, I really believe, Nick, if we want to summarize things here, having David Montgomery back, having Mitchell Trubisky under center, and having that offensive line that's playing to a higher degree, all three of those things should elevate everybody's else, everyone else's play around them. It's Honestly, to me, when I'm looking at this week, it's as simple as those three changes on offense should be 
enough, plus Bill Lazor's experience, so maybe four, uh, should be enough to really help the Bears have a more uh, calculated attack, one that is more proficient this time compared to, again, five weeks ago when they couldn't do anything, which I think I'm thankful for that game in retrospect because it did kind of catapult or at least lead the Bears to and toward uh, some of these other decisions that they've kind of went toward, and I think we're better off for them. Sometimes you do have to take a couple steps backwards to take a few steps forward, and I'm hopeful that this week, this weekend, the Bears will uh, prove that that is indeed the case. All right, Nick, before we talk about this Bears defense, I know we need to talk a little bit about our friends over at Manscaped, so I'll go ahead and hand it over to you, and you can tell everyone how to take care of, well, the family jewels. Yeah, absolutely, Will. And look, the the holiday season is here. And if you're still looking for that perfect gift for your dad, your friend, your roommate, whoever, just go to manscaped.com and I guarantee you will find something for that particular person and probably even yourself. Whether it's the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which features an LED light and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that creates a smooth and precise trimming where you need it most, or the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which can last up to 90 minutes so you don't have to spend all day with the tweezers trying to pull all those unwanted hairs. And don't forget about those perfect stocking stuffers with Manscaped's ball deodorant and ball toner. Guys, if you want to feel clean and refreshed for that long workday, these are an absolute must-have and, again, are perfect gifts. So go and check out all the great products at manscaped.com and get that perfect gift for that special someone. And here's the most important part when you do this. You get 20% off and free shipping if you just use our code TCA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TCA. All right, let's go ahead and keep this show rolling, and let's go ahead and move our discussion over to the Chicago Bears defense. And I want to begin our discussion on defense by looking at that Bears secondary. The unit, it was torched last time that they faced Kirk Cousins. It felt like at some point or another, Everyone let up a big play when it mattered. Dalen Johnson, he allowed 102 yards on six catches. Buster Screen allowed five catches on five targets and two touchdowns. And when that happens, of course, you allow a perfect passer rating when you, balls were thrown your way. Justin Jefferson, he put up over 135 yards. And Adam Thielen, he was clutch in the red zone with his two scores. This week's interesting because Jalen Johnson, who did exit last game with a right shoulder injury, hasn't practiced. He's still considered day-to-day. And Buster Screen remains in concussion protocol. So it does look like it'll be at least another week of Duke Shelley at the nickel corner position. And, of course, from there, we may have to see a little bit of Kendall Vildor as well. Kirk Cousins, when uh, in the last game, he was primarily throwing over to his left. Actually, I can throw up a graphic here on the screen to show you that as well. Last game, targeting Jalen Johnson, targeting Buster Screen when he was playing the nickel on that side as well. And when I'm looking at this Bears defense, obviously not having Jalen out there would be a, a big blow to that defense, but I don't think the same could be said about Buster Screen. Duke Shelley, he played well last weekend. Personally, I wouldn't mind him starting again on Sunday. Uh, it would be a much tougher test for him, but one that I wouldn't mind him getting an opportunity to at least see what he can do. So, Nick, maybe one, 
two big changes on the defense this week in terms of its secondary, depending on how Jalen Johnson's shoulder kind of holds up throughout the rest of this week. Um, this is going up against an offense that was able to really pick apart the defense again not that long ago. What type of impact do you see this having potentially on game day, both Jalen as well as Buster Screen perhaps unable to give it a go? I think the biggest impact is really going to happen with that that nickel corner position and Duke Shelley now taking over for Buster Screen spot. Who didn't he didn't practice today? Buster Screen, but well, what we didn't see um, in that game against the Houston Texans really Deshaun Watson capitalized with Duke Shelley in there, and there were actually a couple plays well where you see Duke Shelley have some miscommunication with with the guys that um, he's he's with. First with Jalen Johnson it was a third and two play. Duke Shelley and Jalen Johnson end up covering the same guy, and Deshaun Watson doesn't see him because there's pressure this time to kind of cap or to mitigate the damage there. But do you remember that drop touchdown pass in the back right corner of the end zone? It was one of the tight ends for the Houston Texans. The sun was glaring in his face, and the ball just hits him. What ends up happening on that play is that Duke Shelley and Eddie Jackson have miscommunication there, whether to pass off a guy or to actually go with him. And Duke Shelley just ends up staying with his man while Eddie Jackson thinks he's going to pass him off. And that's why the guy's wide open. Eddie Jackson looks back, is like, uh, what happened there? So obviously the Texans did not capitalize on that play. But look, the Vikings know they had success against Buster Screen in this first matchup. They're going to be targeting a guy that's making his second career start who had some coverage bust, just the Texans weren't able to capitalize on. So that's really the matchup that I'm looking for the Vikings to try to exploit once again. And, you know, if Vildor has to be the outside corner for Jalen Johnson, of course they're going to look at that too. But that nickel corner position, we know how much Thielen will go there or even Justin Jefferson will line up in the slot. That's one that I'm kind of worried about in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, again, the last game it was where's Buster screen? Can you get him in a one-on-one matchup? And if you do, we all know where that football was going, and I would expect them to do the same, uh, at least to a Duke Shelley, uh, maybe even a Vildor, until they can prove otherwise. Uh, when it does come to Buster, though, I'm wondering if you know keeping him in concussion protocol is a good way to not officially bench him, but kind of continue to give Duke Shelley looks. Again, uh, I like to look at some things from different angles sometimes, and when I was going through my notes today, I was like, well, wouldn't that be something if it, there was some something to that as well? But something else, Nick, that I think is worth mentioning here is if, if say, Vildor plays and Duke Shelley plays, what we saw at the end of last game was Kyle Fuller crossing the side of the field, which he's rarely done over the past few years here in Chicago. He's been locked down in the left side of the defense for, again, years. Ever since Fangio's been here as defensive coordinator, rarely does he switch sides, and I would wonder – if the Bears would have uh, enough confidence in a Vildor to do the you know lock on island on each side, or if they would just kind of start uh, mirroring uh, whether it be Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson with a Kyle Fuller. I don't think you would see Fuller go to the slot, but he may shadow someone on either outside depending on the matchup. What do you think? At least at least looking back at what we saw last week. Yeah, that could definitely be a possibility, and especially we saw Justin Jefferson and the success he had regardless of who was really opposite of him. So I wonder if that is something that Chuck Pagano is thinking of doing. Um, But I think with what is going to be best for the defense, it might just be 
in terms of keeping these corners to to their one sides and if them if they're both if there's like a bunch set to like the the right side of the offense left side of the defense and Kyle Fuller's on that side maybe just match him up with their best receiver if that's the case but I think what we'll end up seeing is Vildor will stay on the defense's right Kyle Fuller will stay on the defense's left unless there's these bunch type situations where then you just want your best corner I think guarding their best overall wide receiver if he's on that side because mismatching I wonder if there's going to be any confusion because like you said Kyle Fuller's not a guy that does this a lot and you know we saw some some I think soft coverage in that first matchup I wonder if that can create more confusion for more of those types of situations but I think that's what will end up happening. It's it's still a it, it's an interesting thing that Chuck Pagano has to deal with because Jalen Johnson's been pretty sturdy with that shoulder injury, and it was actually on the I don't know if you remember well, but Deshaun Watson looking like he's going to get into the end zone um, on the touchdown run, but it's Jalen Johnson who stops him short and is able to uh, ultimately keep him from the end zone, but he ends up injuring his shoulder on the play. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's been putting together a very good rookie season, and with a guy who does have a history of those shoulder injuries, whenever you see one of those come up, again, it kind of worries you in the whole day-to-day thing, at least for me. Uh, You never like to see it. I like to at least get some more definite answers when it comes to those, but uh, we'll keep playing that one by ear. And moving forward, you know, we've mentioned this one before, Nick, but I think it's worth talking about again, and that's the Akeem Hicks effect. Dalvin Cook, uh, let's remember something here. He only had 39 yards on 19 carries to the last game. Uh, two, that's two yards per carry on average. And that's before Hicks left with that hamstring injury. And then as soon as Akeem Hicks went off the field, he was able to get 51 yards on his next 11 runs. So that means Cook averaged about oh, three more yards per carry as soon as Akeem Hicks left the field. I think that's a pretty obvious statement of what kind of caliber of player Akeem Hicks is. And luckily for us, Akeem Hicks is back, and he's looking healthier each and every week. But, Nick, for a Bears defense that's been just so up and down in terms of its ability to stop the run, I think we can both agree that one thing is for certain, it's that that unit is still better with Hicks than without. And we talked about it in great length in our previous preview episode that we'd rather have the game work through a Kirk Cousins than a Dalvin Cook. And that stopping the run is a big part of that. Do you see that? Uh, do you believe, or do you think that the Bears will be able to contain Cook like they did early on with Akeem Hicks on the field because they were doing such a good job up until that point? Do would you expect, or do you envision that same caliber of play perhaps translating back over to this week? It's definitely a possibility, Will. And I think the key here, obviously, having a healthy Akeem Hicks is going to be huge, but. In that game, I think we started to see maybe the emergence of Bilal Nichols really being a, a, a force for the Bears. He was having an absolute great game against you know Dalvin Cook, but we've also seen Bilal Nichols put together some good games as of late against the Detroit Lions getting an interception and getting a sack on Deshaun Watson, just playing stout against the run. So if you have a combination of a healthy Akeem Hicks a Bilal Nichols who's playing a much better football guys like Brent Urban making you know big plays for you every now and then I think you definitely have a chance to maybe again produce that same kind of result they had when Akeem Hicks was on the field in the first matchup but for an entire game because you have more I think collectively guys are playing better than they were 
even in that that first one since since that meeting. So it's definitely a possibility, Will. But I think what's going to come down to is really whether or not the these guys, and this includes Roquan Smith and Dan Trevathan, the gap integrity. Because if you don't have that with a team that loves to run the football and will do it throughout the entire game, then at some point in time you're going to give up a big run. So it's definitely a possibility they can. Uh, just do and have that performance like they did in the first matchup. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Yeah, I think it's more than possible. I, I'm very confident that they can go ahead and do it again. Dalvin Cook historically has not had a lot of good output against the Bears. And really, I think if Akeem Hicks stays in that game, he's probably going to finish with like 50 yards total on the ground on like what felt like almost 40 carries. And I think we would all, we all would have uh, lived uh, with an output like that. And obviously the linebackers, they're a big part of this one as well. And I think too, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, wasn't that game, the Vikings game that Danny Trevathan was also playing at a very high level attacking downhill because they use CJ Ham a lot as that lead blocker, but it was like Danny Trevathan blowing up that lead block, getting in there, making some very tough tackles. And then also, opening the door for Roquan Smith to kind of finish the job. I feel like those two, if I remember correctly, against the Vikings were playing very well as a tandem when it came to stopping the run. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Will. I think they were playing really good football uh, that night, and especially Roquan Smith. He, The Bears also decided, or Chuck Pagano decided, to finally bring him on a couple blitzes, and he was able to hit home uh, and just get Kirk Cousins to the ground, and he was everywhere. So if you have that same type of performance from those two, and then you have this collective effort from the defensive line playing like they did last week against the Texans. Yeah, you're going to replicate what you did in the first matchup, but maybe even better against statistics because Akeem Hicks did leave that one, and then Dalvin Cook had success. But yeah, you have that time of type of individual effort from those from the front seven. They definitely have a chance of stopping Dalvin Cook in this Vikings rushing attack. Now, even though they were doing a good job at stopping the run, and heck, I think the Bears' last game for the majority of it, they played, they did really good on first and second down. But what was really frustrating the last time around was the Bears' inability to get off the field on defense. At the time, they were the first-ranked third-down defense. Since then, they dropped, I was going to say all the way down to eighth, but just down to eighth. In Minnesota, they are able to convert on many third and I would call almost long third and six third and seven it was really hard to watch and unfortunately this week I went back and I rewatched all those plays and I noticed just a few high level takeaways I wanted to share here on the podcast number one Nick we talked about it you pick on Buster screen you you find him in a one-on-one situation and if you do he's usually trailing or behind you don't get him on a lot of vertical routes you get him on some plays that move more horizontal because when a receiver makes those breaks he's usually uh, a little slow to to break as well and that puts him in in a poor position and that's why he's usually a little bit behind or if you do get him on a more vertical route he has a hard time getting his head back to locate that football to make a play on it so that was their number one priority on third down if they were looking elsewhere they did a lot of bunch sets and he ran some picks off of them and they also did a good job of doing what 
I just said I want the Bears to do to the Vikings, and that's finding a way to put their DBs in conflicting situations off those bunch sets. You're running people going from one side of the bunch to the other and just putting a lot of traffic uh, in the face of any defender. So, again, to summarize, pick on Buster, or I would call it congestion plus confusion uh, would be the best way to describe what the Vikings were uh, successfully doing against this Bears defense last time around. And uh, unfortunately, a lack of really any pass rush didn't help matters whatsoever. And I do believe, Nick, that Tampa Bay last week showed us a good blueprint of getting Cousins off his mark, what, he, what happens when there's pressure, because he was moving all over the place. And I don't know if it's you or if it's, not, if it's just me or if you would agree, but I would rather on third and seven, if they're going to have to pass the ball, get Kirk Cousins to sweat a little or move a little bit because last game he was just he had all day in the pocket, and that leads to uh, not good things. That's the worst elegant way to put it possibly. But it's, it leads to things that obviously aren't going to bode well for the Bears' defense. They're going to stay on the field. They're going to convert in those downs. Cousins will find an open receiver. And from that point on, they just kept slowly marching down the field. So how do we stop that this week? What can the Bears do differently this time around? Is it as simple as dialing up that pass rush, bringing some of that blitz that we saw, some of the stunts that we saw last week too? Yeah, so you mentioned the key word there and the key thing that I think the Bears should do, but sparingly, and they have to do it at opportunistic times, is bring those stunts. I thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a really good job of that last week, and Kirk Cousins and both sides of the offensive line were confused at where the pass rush was actually coming from because of these stunts, but you can only do that, I think, if, one, you have a lead as a defense and the rushing attack for the Vikings is not being as successful as they would like it to be because once you run stunts you know like we talked about in the last podcast well you kind of open yourself up for maybe some lanes to open up if if the stunt doesn't work right but if the bears can get a lead and kind of work off this offense that's scoring some points you can at opportunistic times and you know strategic times use those stunts to confuse these offensive linemen because i saw stunts work whether it was the left guard and left tackle getting confused on a play and the right guard and right tackle for the Vikings getting confused at exactly where the pressure was coming from. And what I think was key, though, Will, and it could be a possibility with the Bears, is that when the Bucks didn't bring extra pressure, they still made it, like you said, a little uncomfortable for Kirk Cousins just with their, their, their four pass rushers, just bringing four. So if we can get that same kind of pressure without having to bring extra guys every single time man I think you're just waiting for Kirk Cousins to make that mistake we all know he loves to do it at some point right so I think that's going to be the recipe for success if the Bears get a lead early so they're going to have to rely on their offense a little bit if they can continue to score like they have been these past two games this defense should utilize some stunts, use it at strategic times because that offensive line for the Vikings was pretty confused as to where pressure was coming from when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers strategically used those stunt plays. Yeah, the stunts, A, they work for the Bucs. They worked for us a week ago. And something else I really liked, again, and I talked about it during our live show during the game, during the postgame show, and I want to say it one more time. I really liked how they used Roquan Smith off the edge because he had Khalil Mack next to him. Next to Mack, he had Hicks. So if you have Hicks, Mack, and Roquan all crashing off of one side and they all can stunt around and move around on top of that to take away some different linemen and put them, again, in a situation to choose one or the other, I don't know about I don't know why that's my phrase today, but it feels like if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Either you go for Hicks or you don't. And if you, if you don't block him, good luck. If you don't block Mack, good luck. If you don't block Roquan, 
Good luck. So I, I love that one. It's a, it's one that obviously they can't use all the time, but it, would be, it may be something worthwhile to throw at them, throw at the Vikings and see how they respond to it in a, in a critical situation. Again, the Bears did it when Houston had their backs completely against the wall, and perhaps if the Bears can find themselves in another similar situation, they can use that again and find Again, uh, I was going to say similar results, but words are escaping me today, Nick. A lot of work on the video stuff for me, and now my main, my mind's in complete video mode for us on this podcast. Is there anything else on the defense here today? Uh, obviously, for me, uh, something I don't want to see is if they can get in third and, say, three. It's, I don't want to see them pick that up on the ground consistently. They, they found a way to do that uh, a little bit in the last meeting, and that's something that really kind of irked me as I was re-watching that game, like, ugh third and three and they're going to run it up the gut and that did happen more with Hicks off the field than on uh, but it's still something that if they can pick up first downs like that it's going to be a, a long night for this Bears defense those are ones that they need to find a way to get off the field uh, just a, a little bit better but Nick how about you anything else on this Bears defense that you wanted to mention before we move on to special teams yeah I think also look they they can't give up consistently the third and shorts but like there are some third and long plays in that first matchup where Justin Jefferson's getting open and just winning those one-on-one matchups with Jalen Johnson and they're converting like I have a couple just in the notes here they give up a third and eight there's a third and 11 they give up it's like yes you you're not gonna have success on defense or get off the field if you're consistently not getting off the field on third down so that's gonna be key but what I will say here will and I know I'm gonna get some slack probably but watching the film and I know Robert Quinn did not show up on the box score there were some plays where he was close and I don't know if you saw this will but there I guess was a report from Brad Biggs that he is dealing with some kind of foot injury I didn't really go into depth because it said Robert Quinn I kind of tuned out to be completely honest um but and I know man I forgot what game I said like this is it I had that that feeling that he might show up but man with how this this offensive line for the Vikings played last week with the Bucks and especially with the stunts and the Bears utilizing some more stunts, and that's where Robert Quinn should have had Deshaun, Deshaun Watson dead to rights, but he just can't bring him down. Kirk Cousins is not the athlete that Watson is. I wonder if we see Robert Quinn actually get that first sack since, what, week, was it week two, the Giants? Whenever they played the Giants. But that is something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. He almost hit home a couple times last week, just couldn't finish the play, but uh, I'm not going to you know put all my money – on Robert Quinn making a play because he hasn't done that all season, but just want to put that out there. That would be the worst financial move you <laughs> ever made in your entire life. And don't hold your breath on it. I think the injury from Biggs was like drop foot. It's like a nerve issue in the foot. And I know it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's Biggs and usually he gets some pretty good intel. I know Nagy, uh, you know, he kind of dismissed it this week, but again, uh, Biggs gets some pretty good info. And if that's the case, then it would make a lot of sense and it would give us some much needed answers. It still doesn't really help things one bit, but uh, hopefully Nick, yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to call it a hunch, but what you're hoping to see this week uh, could come to fruition. Um, But like I said, don't hold your breath. All right. So quickly uh, looking for a quick hit on special teams here. Anything on the third phase, obviously in the last meeting, Patterson had that, Big kickoff return for a touchdown at 105 yarder. So the big question is, will they kick to him or not? Uh, outside of that, what's on your mind when it comes to special teams? Yeah, I think the big thing here, Will, is the Vikings kicker, Dan Bailey. He missed four kicks 
against the Buccaneers. A 46-yard field goal, a 54-yard field goal, a 36-yard field goal, and an extra point. Look, there's I don't know how you can one have confidence in your kicker after a performance like that, or the Dan Bailey can have confidence in himself after a performance like that. So if there is you know an an opportunity where the Vikings are debating, well, do we want to send Dan Bailey out there, or are we just going to go for on fourth down? I think you're going to see Mike Zimmer really weigh that situation and you know maybe just elect to go for it on fourth down maybe some more times this game and this is like we mentioned earlier on in the podcast this is a playoff game for both these teams mm-hmm. and you cannot have your kicker miss field goal field goals like he, he was last weekend on, on the opposite side let's see if Cairo Santos can extend that streak 18 straight field goals and um, he's been doing a fantastic job for for the Bears but the only other things like we saw uh man, it was it was Harris muff a punt in that first matchup with between the Vikings and Bears, and also uh, on the opposite end, it, there was a couple of times where the Vikings punt returner almost put one on the ground there. So I hate to say it, but I think special teams going to be a huge factor in this this second matchup between the Bears and Vikings. And if we see Bears special teams trending uh, on Sunday, I hope it's only for for good things like another kick return or or with Cairo Santos or maybe Dan Bailey or like doing the opposite. So it could be a huge factor on on Sunday for sure. Yeah, two kickers on two opposite ends of the spectrum. We'll be interesting to see if that can uh, come to like to fruition. I guess if it can play a, a big factor in this game. I mean, heck, it did last week uh, for Minnesota. He missed four different kicks, uh, so that's a big one. And like you said, it may kind of force. Minnesota to change their offense approach once they kind of reach the the 45, the 40-yard line, as opposed to if you do have a kicker that you trust. I think we know uh, very well how that feels and how that can alter a, a mindset of an offense and its mentality uh, as well. You, if you, I think it makes them a little bit more aggressive. They have to be uh, a little bit more hungry for points because they know they have to either get pretty damn close or get deep into the red zone because if not – uh, it's not going to bode well for them. And obviously, you don't want to squander any opportunity to score points. All right. Well, up next, let's go ahead, Nick. And it's time for our weekly. I'm excited. It's time for a weekly shout outs here on the podcast. I have a couple from my PayPal side. I think you have some on Venmo as well. So uh, let's talk about some people uh, that are you know tremendous supporters of our show and give them that much deserved shout out. Yeah, so uh, the first shout-out of the day has to go to the entire Clemens family. Family Matthew, Crystal, Morgan, and Christopher, you guys have been donating to us for what seems like forever now. So seeing your name pop up this week, it, it was awesome to see. And, you know, I think during the live live chat or live video that we did during the Texans game, you guys showed up there. So that was awesome to see. But to the entire Clemens family, you guys are awesome, and thank you so much for supporting the show. But I'll, I'll send it over to you, Will, to for your shout-outs. Awesome. I have Queen Elizabeth. She came back from Lafayette, Indiana. She didn't mention in it. It's just her normal monthly donation. She doesn't didn't expect a shout-out, but damn it, Queen Elizabeth deserves a <laughs> shout-out each and every time she donates to our show. So, Elizabeth, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll call this an early Christmas gift to both Nick and I. And uh, thank you very much. And, uh, again, appreciate uh, all your support throughout this season. It really is ultra-appreciated. 
And then my next one goes to Scott Davis. Uh, he was the one that we kind of did the, the pre-shout out last week because he did that awesome thing on Twitter where he told us, hey, whatever the final score is, that's why I'll donate. So we got a $36.07 donation. Uh, so I'm happy that the Bears offense decided to show up. That really helped us out. Uh, if you're ready to lose weight, Noom Weight can help. Our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits. And the best part is, you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at Noom.com balance. That's N-O-O-M dot balance. Scott, I know he's a good sport. I'm sure he was more than glad uh, to do a donation like that. I know it put a big smile on my face and yours as we saw that come in during our postgame show for uh, Scott. Thank you so much. I know I always appreciate uh, interacting uh, on Twitter uh, with you each and every time that you uh, you have a question for Nick or myself or just an observation. So thank you so much to Scott and Queen Elizabeth. Uh, we'll call him Great Scott and then Queen Elizabeth. There you go, my back to the futureness coming coming out here. Uh, but Nick, you want to let people know? I don't think you have any other shout outs based on how you framed it. So you want to let people know uh, how they can support our show. That way next week, Christmas week, by the way, uh, they can get a shout out on our next preview episode. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to get a shout out on the next episode, here's how you can make that happen. Whether it's through Venmo or PayPal, we'll, we'll accept any of your donations. It means a lot to us in helping, you know, run this show. And if you want to send us a donation through Venmo, here's our handle at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. Then on PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And you know, it helps make these cool graphics that you're seeing right now and you're, if you're watching the podcast, so it's right there in the middle too as well. But just in case for our listeners to support on Venmo, it's at the Chicago Audible. On PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Excellent stuff there, Nick. Let's jump into the next segment of our show, and it's time to hand out our back-breaking matchups of the week. And I'm up first, and... For, uh, for me, I have the Bears' offensive backbreaker, and I'm going to go with Mitchell Trubisky versus Harrison Smith. It feels like Smith has a big-time play against us each and every time that we play the Vikings. Trubisky, it's real simple. Don't be baited into bad decisions. I remember I remember a play specifically from his rookie year that Harrison Smith did this, and it wasn't the only time that we've seen Smith do it, but it's still the one that is, uh, for some reason, always in the forefront of my mind when I think of Bears-Vikings over the last previous few seasons. So don't get baited. Don't allow Smith to make that game-changing, game-altering type of play. Smith, he is the leader of their defense. He's the one that, and I've been seeing some stuff coming out of Minnesota, he's the one that helps that defense create and bring their own energy. As we know, it's very tough right now in the NFL to do something like that, just given the no-crowd atmosphere. Last game against us, uh, he had the pick. He had a big pass breakup on third down for a ball that was thrown towards Allen Robinson. And he also had a very good blitz that forced falls into another bad throw on third down. He's a jack-of-all-trades. It's going to be a cat-and-mouse game, so I'm going to end it with this. Let's be the cat this week, Mitch. That's that's what we're hoping for. So Harrison Smith, Mitchell Trubisky, I don't think getting into the stats means a lot right here. I think we all know the weight of this matchup, and it's one that – I've obviously, whenever you have a quarterback like Mitch that can be 
uh, I'll use the word duped. Why not? Duped into a, a bad throw. Uh, and uh, I just want to make sure that that doesn't happen because this could be a game where one big turnover for either defense could be the deciding factor. These games are usually pretty close. So I think if we can steer clear of Harrison Smith, that will really help the Bears' offense's uh, chances of succeeding, putting up points, but more importantly, not putting this defense in a bad spot. And Because if you do that, you're just hand, giving them free points. Again, things that really hurt the Bears' chances. And this is a playoff type of game for Chicago. I need to play some clean football. So that would be the matchup I'll be paying attention to on offense. What about you, Nick, when it comes to the Bears' defense? What's going to be your back-breaking matchup? Yeah, Will, we, we talked about this earlier on in the show. It's going to be Duke Shelley if, if he does end up starting, which it looks like now he is with – Buster Screen missing another day of practice. Duke Shelley versus Adam Thielen in the slot. We know Adam Thielen had two touchdowns in that first meeting, and Duke Shelley's going to be targeted. And I just alluded to some of the coverage busts that he had in, in the game last week against the Houston Texans, but the Texans weren't able to capitalize when those mistakes actually happened. But if those happen in this matchup, in this playoff-type atmosphere that's going to be in Minnesota, then I think you're going to see it on you know full stage where, yes, that's why Buster Screen's out there and not Duke Shelley, but it's going to be a huge, huge matchup in terms of how many times he's targeted, how many times he can actually win those one-on-one matchups. It's not to say that Duke Shelley didn't, you know, wasn't, I guess, glued to his receiver, a term that John Fox liked to use, remember? But I think that's something that we're going to have to watch. The The Minnesota Vikings know about it. They exploited that matchup in the first meeting. Why won't they do it again now that there's this cornerback, six-round pick in 2019, is making his second uh, start of, of his career? So that's going to be one that they're going to be watching for. And I think Bears fans need to keep an eye on to see if this defense, they could do everything right in terms of creating enough pass rush. Everyone, All the 10 guys do their job. Duke Shelley just isn't able to stay with his man long enough to exploit the matchup, get a first down, extend a drive, maybe lead to points. So Duke Shelley versus Adam Thielen is my back-breaking matchup. That's a big one. I think as long as Duke Shelley doesn't put himself in the same situation of Buster Screen where it's, the offense, they, you know where they're going. On every third down, they're going to look for number 24. They're going to find a way to bunch everyone to the other side. So then you have literally Buster Screen one-on-one. As long as they don't feel that confident with Duke Shelley, I think he's going to do uh, do wonders for this Bears defense, at least when you compare these two games between uh, us and the Vikings. But it's time to find out, Nick, who has the edge. And I'll go ahead and start off. Actually, no, wait, I'm wrong. It's you who kicked things off this week. You have the Bears rushing attack versus that Vikings run defense. We already talked about different offensive line. David Montgomery's back. Nick, is that enough to give the Bears the edge? Which is crazy to think about considering they only had like 40 yards on the ground last time. Yeah, it is a huge turnaround. But the Bears' offense and their rushing attack looks so much better from that first matchup. And it really goes to this restructured offensive line and just – what the Bears are doing offensively with those outside zones and Montgomery really showing that vision and contact balance, but now he's showing it maybe not behind the the line of scrimmage where he has to break tackles from defenders. He's getting past the line of scrimmage and actually gaining good yardage. So he's been, and look, he's just been a huge, huge part of this Bears offense. You said the stats earlier in the the podcast, Will, but I just want to rehash them real quick. 51 touches, 
409 total yards, four touchdowns in the last three games. And the Vikings, look, they don't give up a lot of 100-yard rushers, but it's looking like David Montgomery can have that type of day, and the big runs will definitely help him get to that 100-yard total. But I'm going to give it to the Bears on this one. Complete turnaround from the first matchup. That's exciting. Uh, I'm glad to see that's where you went. I have the Bears passing attack versus that Vikings pass defense. Again, with Nick Foles under center, only like 147 or so yards through the air. 12 quarterback hits were allowed in that game. But when you look at this Vikings defense and their secondary, they're really not that good. Uh, the Bears' poor outing, I think, was more of a reflection of that offense's ineptitude more than anything. The Vikings, they've given up 265 or more through the year in five of their last eight games. They've also surrendered 26 passing touchdowns this season. They allowed three touchdowns to Andy Dalton, for crying out loud. <laughs> I expect the Bears to show Minnesota something different, and I'm hopeful that uh, this unit has some confidence and something to really just prove this week. I think Mitch's legs, they're going to help. The Bears should be able to handle pressure this time around a little bit better. Minnesota, they ranked 26th in passing yards allowed, 27th in passing touchdowns allowed, 17th in the completion percentage allowed. And yeah, they're advantageous. They can make plays in the ball. They do have 11 interceptions this year, but I think the Bears will enable Mitch to play smart like they did last week, getting them out of the pocket, cutting the field in half, giving them limited reads, allowing the playmakers to be the ones to generate the yards after the catch, which is something that they struggle with all season. But I'm hopeful what we saw last week, what we've seen the last two weeks, it's just a sort of something that can be sustained week in and week out. And on top of that, Nick, if your edge comes true and we can run the ball better, play action, that's going to give this Bears offense a big boost, something they could not even attempt the last time around. So I'm oddly confident that there may be something substantive happening on offense. We're going to find out, but like you, Nick, I talked myself into it. I'm going to give the Bears the edge here with their passing attack, despite the fact they couldn't do diddly squat last time. But I do believe all the changes they're pointing to progress and that progress will be proven here on Sunday so that's why I'm going to give the Bears passing offense the edge taking a breath moving on it's me again I have the Bears run defense versus that Vikings rushing attack and I talked about it the Keem Hicks effect we're going with the Bears defense uh, again Dalvin Cook he rushed for 96 yards last game and a lot of that came with Hicks off the field and I do like that two yards per carry that we allowed with Hicks on the field a lot. I do believe that there's something there when you look at Cook's uh, history against the Chicago Bears defense. It's usually not uh, too great. And again, it's interesting that he had the 96 yards on the ground as soon as 96 goes out of the game for the Bears. I thought that was uh, interesting too. But if the Bears can contain Cook, who may not get as much rest as usual, uh, I know Alexander Madison, he just kind of got back to practice today. Uh, he's been dealing with an appendix issue. So maybe for Cook, a f fatigue plays uh, a factor as well. I don't expect, I'm confident we won't see anything like we did against Green Bay uh, where they just gash us up the gut. Again, now if they only get a few yards, but they're able to pick up third and three, third and four on the ground, then I think you can start looking at this where yards don't matter, but the impact of the runs do. But with Hicks in the lineup, Roquan playing like the way he has, and Danny Trevathan, I think, likes to play physical against his uh, divisional rivals. Uh, it gives me confidence, enough so that I'm going to give the Bears' run defense the edge here, which I know historically this season does not bode well, um, but I'm going to trust 
unfortunately, myself here and give them uh, the edge this week, which leaves it to you, Nick, for the Bears passing defense with those injuries versus that Vikings passing attack. Yeah, well, so I think this one, this one's close because if the Bears defense plays anything like it did last week against the Houston Texans, seven total sacks where Watson couldn't find an open man, even if he was there and brings it to Minneapolis on Sunday, then Kirk Cousins is going to look very similar and not, he's going to look like Nick Foles did in that first matchup. And that's, that will bode well for, for the Bears defense. But those injuries are concerning. You're losing your two two guys in your secondary and having some backups play. And look, the the Vikings passing attack is not a prolific one. They're ranked 17th in the NFL in terms of passing yards per game. So it's not huge, but it, the rushing attack is able to get going. They're able to actually establish Dalvin Cook and run that play action off of it then it will be effective, especially against guys in the secondary who haven't played a lot of minutes and are just playing as of recently, right? So I like, but I do like how this this defense looked last week. I really do. And I think this pass rush, there's something there. And we talked about the stunts. I don't think Kirk Cousins has as much time, looks as comfortable as he did in the first matchup. And we're going for a clean sweep here. I'm giving the edge to the Bears passing defense. And it's just a completely different matchup. Well, when we look at it from that first one to this one, it's completely different, and I'm giving it to the Bears on this one. A clean sweep. Man, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Woo. Well, it's it's out there now. It's official. We can't take anything back, and uh, hopefully Chicago proves us right, and we're not – we're not too deep into the Kool-Aid after winning a game after a month and a half. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that kind of comes out now. But, Nick, um, it's time to find out, get into the final portion of our show, hand out some predictions. So I want to know, Nick, what's going to be your bold prediction? Yeah, so this is a bold one in itself. I'm going to start first. Uh, I think there's a series of three things that are going to happen here. David Montgomery's going to have over 20 carries. The last time he had 20 carries in you know this season – was back when they played the Saints where he had 21. Even in these three-game stretch where David Montgomery's been phenomenal, he hasn't gotten to that 20 mark. So I think he gets there. But he's also going to have another 100-yard performance. Um, That would be three in the last four games for for David Montgomery. And the Vikings have only allowed three running backs to go over 100 yards, the most recent being Ezekiel Elliott and the other two being Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. All those running backs that went over 100 – have resulted in losses to the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm also going to say that he'll get 100 yards rushing, over 100 yards rushing in this game, and throw in a receiving and rushing touchdown for David Montgomery. So this workload, this production, and maybe just the consistency for David Montgomery is going to continue on Sunday against the Vikings. All right. Uh, You went offense. I'm going offense too. Uh, That's what I put in my notes. I went extraordinarily bold i know i i don't know what uh, i i think i had too many cups of coffee uh, by the time i got to this portion of my like my preparations nick but i put down <laughs> i'm laughing before i even say it uh, a four <laughs> touchdown day for mitchell trubisky three through the air one on the ground uh, again they allowed andy dalton to throw three touchdowns uh, mitch can throw three he's done it a couple times this season and if we talk about his legs enough maybe he'll run one in so four touchdowns just for Mitch against the Vikings defense? I mean, I think that would be pretty bold if it happened. So 
uh, either or, I think we're both looking for imp- – we really want to see that improvement on offense is the best way I can, I can frame both of our bold predictions. Absolutely. Well, I think the – Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Big thing with um, with both of them, really, this is a far better defense than what the Bears have faced in the last two weeks. The 12th-ranked DVOA defense, and the narrative with Mitch Trubisky, which we didn't really mention in this podcast, is that Mitch can take advantage of the bad defenses. That's what he's done. It's what he's done since since Matt Nagy got here in 2018. This is going to be a really telling game to see what Mitch is really about. Is he changing? Is he just the same old Mitch? Um, it, it Look, it's going to be, like we've been saying, a playoff-like atmosphere. I'm really curious to see what Mitchell Trubisky we see on Sunday. Me too. Uh, I'm curious to see what kind of Bears team we see on Sunday because – I think they're going to be hungry. This game, it's a revenge type of game. They lost the last one. Really, again, the defense, it had its fair share of issues, and we talked about them, but they still held that game very low scoring, and it's just really the Bears' offense that couldn't do anything. But now we're starting to see an offense that can do stuff. If the defense can play to the same level, and everyone's kind of playing that. Again, last week we had that complete team effort. Uh, we haven't seen that really too much, if if at all, uh, at any point this season. If that can carry over, this can get fun. Uh, so that's what I gets me uh, excited about when I think about this game. But we have a we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. It's time to predict, uh, Nick, uh, who's going to be the MVP. And I'm very curious to see which way you're going to go here. Are you going with the Bears' offense for an MVP? Since we've been heavy that way, you're going to go defense I, again. I'm just curious if you don't want to go first. Uh, I'll definitely rip off the Band-Aid. Dang it, I said my, I said that line again. <laughs> That's all right. I, I'm going with the Bears' defense, and I'm going with Khalil Mack. I think he's just been making some of those more impact plays that we, we know Khalil Mack is definitely capable of. You saw it in the safety last week, and he almost actually had an interception on Deshaun Watson. He bats a pass up and almost you know gets his hand on it, but he also made an interception in the game against Kirk Cousins in that first meeting. But I think... Khalil Mack, even though he's been on the injury report, he actually didn't practice today, he's been putting more, together some of those those games, or even really last week, just more looking more like himself. And if we see that type of Khalil Mack, and I, we talked about the struggles that this offensive line has had with stunts and just winning one-on-one matchups, Khalil Mack can make a real impact in this game, and he's going to play a huge part in stopping Dalvin Cook. But we talked about getting Kirk Cousins off his mark. Khalil Mack's a guy that can definitely do that. So I like the impact that he can possibly have in this game. So I'm going to predict him to be the MVP. All right. You know, I thought about defense, and when I thought about who can be MVP, I thought Roquan, it's almost to the point where it's too easy. Like, he can be MVP <laughs> each and every week, and all I have to do is say his first and his last name, and everyone will be like, yeah, you're right. He probably will. Uh, other than that, uh, Akeem Hicks is the other one that's on my list I think would be if the Bears can bottle uh, Dalvin Cook as much as I think they can with Akeem Hicks on the field, and they do what they did early on in the last game, which was keeping him to a very low yards per carry, 
to me, that's that would prove everything about his value to this defense and how he really is. Kind of like that motor oil, like kind of keeps everyone operating on all cylinders, uh, no sticking. Everyone's uh, they're all playing upbeat tempos there, and everyone, everything just follows through if Akeem's out there doing what he does, which is like taking linemen with one hand, shoving them out of the play, and making tackles for a loss. That's Akeem Hicks. So that's my official one. My secondary one, because I wanted to have a little bit of fun this week, offensively, we haven't really talked about him, and I'm not ashamed of us, but Cole Komet. I know we talked about him last week. Uh, he's getting a bigger role. He's been, uh, last week, with all his yards after the catch were just real nitty-gritty, tough yards. I want to see that trans, uh, transfer over this week. I want to see that grow. And, you know, there's a older Notre Dame tight end on the other sideline, and I think this would be a great way to, like, pass the baton down, you know. I'm taking over now, Grandpa, kind of thing. And, yeah, the scepter, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But for me, uh, Cole Komet, if he can pick up some key third downs, heck, get him involved in a red zone, I think there's a legitimate chance that he can end up becoming uh, the MVB for this game. But officially, Keem Hicks. But uh, let's look out for Cole Komet to see if he can continue to build on what he's been uh, laying the foundation for. What's up, Nick? Yeah, well, just to back up your point, maybe he could be the MVB. There there was a Gronkowski score to touchdown in the red zone, uh, really going against some of those linebackers there uh, in the Minnesota Vikings. But, yeah, I think Cole Komet is a, a great answer there and choice for an MVB. Just one angry, angry runs from Kyle Brandon. Good morning, football. And it, that's the comparison actually coming out of the draft was a Rudolph. That's what Cole Komet was. That's like his draft comparison. So it would be really cool to see if this is the game where the Bears just feed him. And Mitch Trubisky in his interviews this week said, that's a guy I want to give the ball more to because you see what he can do with the ball in his hands and in space. So I love that pick, and I hope it definitely comes true. Hey, me too. Why not? Let's have a, <laughs> let's have a breakout Cole Komet national spotlight type of performance that makes everyone – go, oh, that's why he was the number one tight end in this draft class. That would be incredible. We're starting to see it. Let's just see it continue to grow. I think that's, at this stage of this season, all we can ask for and very excited to see uh, what kind of uh, playmaker he can continue to develop into. But, Nick, it's time to hand out some game picks and some predictions. And, dun-da-da-da, we're finally tied. I got my game back last week. Glad. I stuck it out there. You know, the Bears, they owed me one uh, after dropping that overtime loss to the Saints that had me back a game for a, a very long time. But we're both 8-5 and five with a few games to go. But unfortunately, based off of this conversation, I feel like we're all going in the same direction, uh, which is going to be, I'm just going to say, it, we're, we're both picking the Bears to win. We're both drinking the Kool-Aid this week. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, Will, you are absolutely correct. And uh, for for my prediction, though, look, the Bears have been scoring 30 points as of late, just, you know, pretty easily, which has been weird to see for the for this Bears offense. But I have a feeling that it ends this game. It's going to be 27 to 20 Bears. But, yeah, we, we talked about all the things that we absolutely loved last week uh, against the Texans. And I think a lot of that will carry over in this playoff type game on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, but I have the Bears winning 27 to 20. Well, you know, we had the clean sweep, so I, I kind of knew what was happening here. Uh, I have a very similar spread, but my score's a little lower. Uh, in my notes, I put down Bears 24, Vikings 17, uh, which 
Nick, for your 20, are you having them kick a field goal or two, or do they miss an extra point? Because when I put 17, I was like, at least they're going to make a field goal this week. I haven't even really thought that through, Will, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Special teams are going to play a factor. Maybe that's that's how it, it influences this game on the scoreboard. All right, so we each have the Bears winning, uh, each by seven points. Uh, I think, again, I do believe that this will be a game where they should not let us down. They should be playing not just for that personal pride, um, but I I think they can see that they have their own future in their own hands, and maybe that's enough after squandering it, which, again, shame on them for putting themselves in this situation in the first place. I mean, they were in the driver's seat, and then they got thrown to the trunk, rattled around, and now they're clawing their way back, and now they have a hand on the wheel again. Can they regain control? That's the current situation here in Chicago. How confident are you, Nick, that the Bears can win this game? You have them winning, so how confident are you, I guess, in this game? Yeah, and I do have it as obviously a one-score game, 27-20, to 20, but I'm going to give the Bears a 7 here. I think that it's – look, the Bears haven't – when they lost to the Vikings, that was the first time Matt Nagy had lost to them. And you didn't have, obviously, Mitchell Trubisky. You didn't have your starting running back. The, the offense was – in shambles and Bill Lazor was in his first game calling plays but he's had they've all had some time to adjust and I just like what it could just be me me just drinking too much of the Kool-Aid after beating a bad Houston Texans team it could be that it really could but I liked how they played in all around team effort so I'm gonna give them a seven they're gonna get the job done and at least keep the playoff hopes alive for another week and if if they do that momentum will i think that's definitely a thing where you can get hot late in the season and you can see what you could do with it but they have to win this one i think they will i'll give them a seven for my confidence meter i was sitting at a 6.5 and i thought i was sitting up there a little bit too high uh so for you have a seven uh you humbled me a, a little bit i still feel pretty good about my six and a half there's so much that has changed for the better even when they Lost to the Lions. That was still an improved game. It was just that one bad play that squandered squandered it away. And uh, I do believe we're seeing real growth out of this offense. And, I, again, it sucks that it took this long to get there. You had to go through a dark, dark, very dark period uh, to kind of get to this point. But, again, maybe sometimes you do have to take those steps backwards to move forward. They've started to move forward. Let's keep that positive momentum in our favor let's get a win here this week and i believe they'll get it done uh matt Nagy, his company chuck pagano i think they're going to learn a lot of lessons about the last matchup apply them so minnesota can't do the same things that worked last time and then offensively it's a whole new unit for the most part whole different philosophy and i think that should put the bears in a good position to succeed more put up more points they can't put up I don't think any less, for, for God forbid, compared to the last time. And, uh, again, I do believe the big four things in offense I talked about earlier, uh, whether it be the new offensive line, David Montgomery, Mitchell Trubisky, and Bill Lazor, those four, four things combined, they should really show uh, like those are right decisions and those are decisions that are making this team better, not worse. And uh, I'm excited to see it all kind of come together here on Sunday. Any final thoughts, Nick, as we wrap up? I think – where we're at now in terms of framing this as that playoff type of game because again I know the Bears can get in at eight and eight but you you need to win out you need to continue to keep your hand on that wheel and not allow any other team to really determine your own fate yeah well I think the word that was mentioned at Hallis Hall this week that has been mentioned 
in weeks, Will, in, in almost months at this point, is the word playoffs. And that, that can only happen to what you just said, is if the Bears get a victory on Sunday against the Vikings and just really win out. They have to. That's going to give them the best opportunity to really make that happen. And not saying that the Bears should make it or what, what should happen, but they just need to win the game to keep that realistic um, scenario for themselves as an organization. And it starts on Sunday in a playoff-type atmosphere against the Minnesota Vikings after a really convincing win against the Texans. Let's see if they can make it happen. But like our predictions and what we've talked about in this entire podcast, we think it's definitely possible. More than possible, it will happen. How many times have you ever said a po- ended a podcast like that? Never? Yeah, let's not start now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, whoa, okay. <laughs> right. All right, Will, it's, uh, you're gonna, we're going to take the drink from your hand. <laughs> we're going to remove you from this situation. And, yeah. No, but for real, Nick, it's, it's one of those where I did a lot of reflection early on this week, right? Because, like, we ended the game, we're like, all right, well, we won. Are we hurting draft position or are we putting ourselves back into that playoff picture for realsies? <laughs> like it's, it's for real this time. And uh, I'm the more we get removed from that game, the more confident uh, I am that they can make something happen where they can at least get into this thing. And then we've seen it countless times that if you do and you can get hot, good things can happen. I think defensively, we know they have a unit that can shut down most offenses if they play up to their caliber. And we're starting to tap into some of this potential on offense. And, Nick, I know you and I, we believe in the playmakers of, like, Montgomery and Robinson and Mooney and Miller and Komet starting to get a role here, too. I mean, there's talent here. So if they can find a way to tap into it, I'd rather it happen now than never. And let's just make this as fun as possible because talking about winning Chicago Bears football is fun, talking about playoff Chicago Bears football, something we've only had one week ever in our six seasons of doing this show. And I would love to have another opportunity uh, to cover a playoff week. And so I'm just hopeful that they can find a way this week to take care of business and get us into a Christmas week uh, that gives us a, a lot of reasons for continued optimism as we kind of hit this final home stretch. And Nick, on top of this, I was thinking about it. It makes a lot of sense how this season's gone. They did a really good job early on, right? The first six weeks, so the first quarter and a half. Then this end of the second quarter, the whole third quarter, they completely fell apart, just like they do in games. And now we're in the fourth quarter, so let's do what we did early on this season and make that comeback like we did against the Lions, like we did against the Falcons, and let's just see if some of those early games can be a, a microcosm of the bigger picture of how this season may end up playing out. Uh, I would be very excited to see if uh, they can kind of pull one out uh, like they have here in the games. And again, the fact that they didn't win a single game in the third quarter of the season makes all the sense given the third quarter woes that the Bears have had all year long but bears vikings nick and i we both have the bears winning uh hopefully even if you don't if you think the bears are going to lose hopefully they prove you wrong Uh, i think you would like to be wrong as well and hopefully we have a back-to-back wins uh, for the first time in quite a while and we get a christmas week where we're talking about another game that means something uh, for the future of i mean heck uh, this franchise for better or for worse i think every game's pivotal right now for just so many reasons I want to thank everyone who uh, was watching here live on the stream. Hopefully you enjoy the new look uh, that we're kind of unveiled here today. This is just kind of a... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. 
For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. A prototype. Uh, we're going to still be working on enhancing it uh, for our future here on the podcast. Well, hope you like that. And of course, if you're listening to the show, uh, thank you so much. We don't care how you consume our show. We don't care where you are in the world. Uh, just know that Nick and I, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back uh, as soon as the final whistle blows on Sunday for the podcast. But before I sign off, Nick, we're going to do another live game show. I was just about to ask you the same thing, Will. I think we kind of have to. That was a lot of fun. All right, cool. We're in for that. So people on the stream, we'll be doing another live play-by-play. Nick says he'll be nice and pause it for me so we can be at the same time this week. You told me that, and I have it recorded somewhere, Nick, so don't give me that face. Well, so I could do that, but my brother loves to change the channel to go to the other game when it's on commercial, so by the time I go back to the other game, I'm caught up to speed. So I could start off there, Well, I could delay the game. But it won't stay delayed. I'll just tell you that right now. You're going to have to pause every time we come back. You're going to have to pause. Or are you going to tell Dan to lay off the moat? He he has all the power in in that remote. It's just his on game day. I just watch the Bears and leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, maybe I'll have to have a talk to Dan. But you're going to have to pause or something. Because I do have some ideas for it if we can be relatively on uh, the same time. So that's for the streamers out there uh podcast people again really good reason to subscribe to us on youtube uh, nick and i last game hung out uh for the entirety of the game just talking about it live as it unfolded just a really casual low-key uh two guys talking taking notes and then doing our post-game show after the fact so if you're interested in that potentially uh watch out for that here on uh, youtube but also be on our twitter as well as our facebook but for the podcast itself we'll be back as soon as that game is over on sunday to break down all the action, but until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.